Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, it is really, really uh, fantastic uh, to be here with you at Crescent uh, Church this morning. I want to thank you for your really warm welcome and indeed for your support of Tear Fund over the years, which I know has, uh, has been long-standing. I have always admired uh, the ministry of the church here at Crescent. I've never been here, I've never been in, and it's just fantastic not only to see this great, uh, this great building, but also to just experience the buzz and the vibrancy and the life here. A church with a great history and a great legacy, and of course, all these babies now being born over lockdown and children, a great future, uh, we hope, as well. Um, so what I want to do this morning is just speak to you for a few minutes, uh, some reflections out of God's Word here, uh, but also tell you some stories about what Tear Fund does around the world. Some of you will be familiar, probably, with Tear Fund. Some of you will be somewhat familiar, and some maybe not know at all. So hopefully it can update you and inspire you and indeed challenge you uh, today as well. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to read in a couple of minutes, or in a, in a wee minute, just a couple of verses, and just read really to set the scene of what I want to speak to you about Tear Fund's work. Now, if you know the book of Romans, uh, then you'll know that it's one of the greatest expositions of the gospel that we have in the whole of the Bible. Paul, who wrote the book, has spent the first 11 chapters outlining what it means to be a people of the gospel, a people of the good news. He's explained to us how, first of all, we all fall short of God's glory. Each and every one of us, whether we are even religious people, whether we are irreligious people, we have all fallen short of what God wants for us in our lives, and yet we can be saved through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus for us as we put our trust in him and our allegiance to him. And as we do that, uh, this is, by the way, just a quick sweep through the book of Romans. As we have done that, we get adopted into God's family where we stand in a place of grace, where God looks towards us no longer in, uh, in judgment and wrath, but in grace, and he loves us and welcomes us. The Holy Spirit is given to each and every one of us so that we are changed and transformed by the power of the gospel in our wrestling with sin. And he's even explained how God's purposes fit in with what he had done with Israel, as we read about in the Old Testament. So he has, has had this, this sweeping, comprehensive view of the gospel, what the good news is all about. And it's magisterial in its, uh, its approach. It is just all-encompassing. And we get then to the 12th chapter of Romans, and Paul kind of brings the plane into land with these last four chapters, answering the question, so what? So all this great stuff about being saved by grace through faith alone and being given the Spirit and life in the Spirit and all these things, so what? is what he comes to in chapter 12. Now that I've told you all this life-changing truth, what kind of life does that actually produce? What does that look like? And chapters 12 to 16 are really a snapshot of that. So I want to read uh, these verses. Uh, they're from the NIV, so some of you may have a different version there. But just want to read these couple of verses towards the start of uh, Romans 12. And remember, he's answering the question, so what? Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. 
but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. To share with the Lord's people who are in need and to practice hospitality. These phrases, these verses really encapsulate the mission of Tear Fund as an expression of our life as followers of Jesus, as Christians, people who have faith in Jesus Christ, as expressions of that faith, we seek to share with those in need around the world and to welcome the outsider, not only people who say they're Christians, but we welcome the outsider, show them the love of God, not only with our words, but also in our actions, to love our global neighbors in the name of Jesus. And that is what drives Tear Fund as an organization. Uh, I could go to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 58. We'll not have time to do that, but I could go there. And what we would read about there is what God considers true worship. Not only us gathering together like this, breaking bread together, which I think is so central, and I'm glad you do it every week. Uh, Not only those things, but what else does God consider true worship? To share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, to clothe the naked, to spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, to satisfy the needs of the oppressed. That's what the prophet Isaiah describes as true worship. It's all great for us to gather together, but unless we are also doing those things, there's something in our worship of God and our response to Him which we haven't quite reached yet. And the church has done this for 2,000 years, proclaiming Jesus and loving the poor in His name. So we'll have a a picture here, and uh, I dug out this picture. This uh, is the original Tear Fund Committee, just to give you a bit of background. In 1968, many Christians were stirred as they watched on their televisions, many for the first time because of television, being able to see this kind of thing. They were able to watch the crisis unfolding in the Nigerian Civil War, where over a three-year period, two million people died of starvation. And because of TVs then in everybody's home or in an increasing number of people's homes, People were able to see this, and Christians responded spontaneously. You could say it was some kind of move of God's Spirit in the church, and they wrote checks and put money in envelopes and sent it to the Evangelical Alliance, just spontaneously. Do something with this. Do something with this money. Respond in some way. And so the Evangelical Alliance uh, formed a relief fund that went on to be Tear Fund, the Evangelical Alliance Relief Fund Tear Fund. And now Tear Fund works in 50 countries around the world, following Jesus where the need is greatest, working with churches to meet not only the spiritual needs, but the physical, material needs of the world's poorest people. And we do three things. If you just go to the next slide. We do three things. Long-term, church-based community development. So we come alongside churches and say, what are the needs in this community? Because they're different in every community. What are the needs here? What have you got in your hands as a church? How can we help resource you? Not just to always be given out handouts, though we do do that, but to help you, like we saw with the chickens, to help you find ways to be lifted up out of poverty. And it's with the church right at the center of that. So pastors are saying, how do we love our community? How do we transform our community? And Tear Fund comes alongside and we help do that. 
And amazing things have happened over 20, 30, 40 years. The second thing we do is that we respond to disasters. And I'll mention a little bit about Afghanistan in a little while. So disasters around the world, like the crisis where Tear Fund, which Tear Fund was born out of, we respond in these ways, giving out food, hygiene kits, blankets, all these kinds of things being first on the ground. Tear Fund's part of the Disaster Emergency Committee, which is essentially a big part of the UK government's response to these crises. And you may have seen there's been a recent appeal. So we're there on the ground in dangerous places around the world. And then the third thing that we do is we advocate for change because we recognize that poverty many times, maybe most of the time, is actually a symptom of something bigger, something more systemic, injustice in government, corruption in government, or whatever it might be. And so we seek to influence people who make decisions to raise up their voices on behalf of the poor. So that's the kind of three things that we do, right with Jesus, the gospel, and the church at the center. We do it as an expression of our faith. If you go to the next slide, we believe that poverty is not what God wants for the world. And uh, essentially, poverty comes from broken relationships. And sin is essentially broken relationships. Broken relationships between us and God, that he made us to be in a relationship with him, but we reject that and we walk away from that. And that is a problem. We also have broken relationships with each other and there's a need for reconciliation, ongoing reconciliation. And I could open up Genesis 3 to you and we see all these in it. We also have a faulty relationship even with ourselves that we wake up and we don't automatically think, oh, well, God is my father and he loves me. We don't think that because we have this skewed relationship with ourselves. And part of following Jesus is becoming, uh, becoming more into our identity as his children and understanding what that means more. But we, and we also have a broken relationship with our world. Remember back to Genesis 3, God says to Adam, you know, thorns and thistles are going to rise up from the ground and you're gonna, there's going to be blood, sweat, and tears to actually get resource and food from it. So these, these things together uh, are things that cause spiritual and material poverty. And we believe at Tear Fund that in Jesus, God restores each and every one of these relationships between us and God, primarily, of course, uh, between ourselves and each other. And you see that in the New Testament between Jew and Gentile, uh, with ourselves as we come into a new identity in Christ, and indeed with our world as we seek to care and steward the creation well. And of course, with climate change and all these things happening, that's part of that as well. So that is just a big overview of what Tear Fund does and what drives us. But I want to share with you just a couple of stories couple of examples of how we do these kind of things. So first of all, I want you to meet Gilbert. Now, if we go to the next slide, this is Gilbert. Gilbert is a man who lives in Rwanda. And uh, of course, Rwanda is uh, unfortunately well known for the genocide that happened in the 90s and really on, lots of ongoing issues uh, with poverty. So Gilbert uh, fled his home when he was eight years old uh, because unfortunately, the home life was not stable. His parents beat him and he really had no alternative, in his eyes anyway, other than to leave. So he essentially ran away from home from a dangerous situation and became like a street kid, lived on the streets, stole his food, and as you can imagine, got into all kinds of troubles over the years. 
But the thing about Gilbert was he was very musical. And through various things that happened to him, he saw a church choir, and he ended up going to a church that had a relationship with Tear Fund. And through the process of coming along to the church, hearing the music, and of course, this is, this is Rwanda, so like our music was great this morning, but Rwanda, you know, is like another level. Uh, this, this African choir, you can imagine all the colors and the vibrancy and all that. So he was drawn in to the church. He became a Christian. He was welcomed into the church community, and he joined the choir, and he even met a wife, and they got married. But he was still very poor. The background that he was coming from didn't have very much at all. But one of the ministries that uh, the church ran that Tear Fund supports is what we call self-help groups or savings groups, where people get together once a week, and they have a Bible study together about how we're made in God's image, and we're made with the ability to work and the ability to create, um, and that God gives us gifts that we're to use for him. So they gather together, they have uh, these Bible study groups, but they also each week come and bring a contribution, a financial contribution. Not very much, just whatever they have, they bring it. And obviously that builds up and the group is able to have a kitty of money. Now what they did with Gilbert and with around about 70 other people over time is that they buy Gilbert a bike. And Gilbert commits then, has committed to pay back the group the amount of money it costs the bike over six months. So they buy him this bike, and you'll see this is a lovely bike. I saw this picture, and I just thought this bike looks absolutely brilliant because it has this bright pink cushion on the back because this isn't just a bike for him to get about the place. This is a taxi. So, you know, I don't know, maybe some of you came here in taxis this morning. They probably did not look like this. But this is now Gilbert's business where he's able to carry one person on the back of his bike, charge them a fare, and in that way make a living and pay back the, uh, the money that the bike, uh, that, you know, he, he was lent to buy the bike. And up to seven, over 70 people now in this community have been, had their lives transformed in this kind of way because of these sorts of groups, because of the impact of Tear Fund. Tear Fund doesn't give them money. It doesn't buy the bikes. It trains people to do the Bible studies, to set up these groups, and to help people come into their dignity, come into their worth, and as an expression of their faith, they want to do this in their community. That's just a wonderful story of the kind of individual and community transformation that Tear Fund is involved with, all with the church and the gospel at its core. Now, I do just want to make a quick plug. So if you hit the next slide up, we're actually doing a cycling event. So if you're a cyclist, we'd love for you to join us uh, on the 2nd of April up on the North Coast. And we've got two fantastic routes laid out, a 50-kilometer route, an 80-kilometer route, and uh, we're inviting people, if you're in a cycling club, or maybe the church has a cycling club, I don't know, uh, if you've got some friends who like cycling, come up, join with us, get sponsored to do this cycle, and we'll raise money for projects uh, like the one I've just mentioned. And Portia Baptist, very kindly, are hosting a barbecue for us on the day. So if you want to find out more about that, uh, you can speak to me at the end, or you can uh, search this on our website. But I thought I couldn't tell the story of Gilbert and his bike and not make a plug for that. So would love for you to join us if you can. So this is a kind of example of church-based community transformation, but we also respond to disasters. So if you hit the next slide there, you will have seen, I'm sure, what ha has been going on in Afghanistan over the last uh, number of months. And uh, Tear Fund has had a presence in Afghanistan uh, through partner organizations there for over 20 years. And uh, the crisis in Afghanistan, it's hard really to 
I mean, go home, read up on about it. It's, it's, it's very hard to over, uh, to over um, sell how bad the situation is. The UN have said that by the middle of this year, 97% of the population will be uh, living below the poverty line. There'll be inse food insecurity, uh, healthcare, uh, all these kind of things that we take for granted, access to clean water. I think 97% of the population will not have enough. Now, that is a country of nearly 42 million people. That is huge. And no one person or one organization can solve this, but we are there in Jesus' name trying to do what we can. They estimate that, well, it's not even estimated, it's expected that 90% of Afghanistan's health clinics will shut over the next year. So normal things like you cut your leg, you get penicillin and all that sort of stuff, none of that. Clean water, access to food, all that kind of thing. So our partners are there. I have a couple of slides about that. Um, uh, our partners are there currently distributing emergency aid, food, hygiene items, blankets, hugely, hugely complex. There's a lot of negotiation and even how do you get into the country? What about uh, female members of staff? Are they allowed to come in and help and all this kind of stuff? It's hugely, hugely complicated, but Tear Fund is there. There's lots of other organizations, other, other organizations there doing a great job too, but Tear Fund is there and we're there in Jesus' name trying to respond. So I would encourage you really to, to pray for this crisis. At the minute, we're doing this emergency stuff. Ideally, of course, you want to get into the kind of work like with Gilbert's stuff. How do we develop this community? How do we come alongside people and see their lives changed for the better? So all we can really pray, I think, for, for this is just, Lord, have mercy. And then the third thing just want to touch on quickly is the church's, the global church's response to coronavirus. And it really has been a privilege. I joined Tear Fund at, sort of just after the first lockdown. And it has been a real privilege to see the church's response around the world uh, to coronavirus. You know, just as churches here, and I'm sure you had your own version of this, just as churches here were mobilizing to help people during lockdown and during the various difficulties through various means, even just prayer, whatever. Just as churches here have been doing that, so have churches all around the world where there's been an impact by COVID, which is basically every country in which we work. And the church, with Tear Fund's help, and it's such a privilege, has done amazing things. Now, I have put some photos of some of this uh, stuff. So uh, that is a refugee camp in Bangladesh where there's, uh, it's the largest refugee camp in the world, and there's million million people live in this refugee camp. And we were able to install water pumps and hygiene kits in the camp. Now, you can imagine a refugee camp, there's not really much room to socially distance or wear masks or all that kind of stuff. You have people with other health problems, so really very, very dangerous. And, you know, just being able to provide the ability for people to wash their hands and to keep clean and safe, that kind of thing. I wish I had a picture of this one, but uh, one of our projects in Uganda was about recycling plastic and to make PPE. So they were able to clean up their communities, provide people with work, and also provide um, the equipment that was needed for healthcare. Uh, there, you can cycle through the next few photos. Um, there's some other things. Churches around the world have been delivering food vouchers 
and food parcels to people in need, um, just like that. I think that is in um, Colombia, where the church in Colombia is really mobilized, volunteers getting up early to set these things up and to go out and to give uh, just love in Jesus' name to people there who need it. And I think if you go to the next slide, it's a slightly different. Yes, so in places like uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, our our response has been uh, about giving food vouchers and all that kind of stuff. But also in these many rural communities, the church leaders are not just there to look after the church. They're really the community. They're really the centers of their community. They're trusted people, most educated in some cases, and uh, they are there to kind of pastor the whole community. So part of our work has been to train pastors like this to uh, basically be able to provide good health messages in their communities to combat um, on uh, you know rumor and lies about things and to be able to give clear, trustworthy information about uh, healthcare and about coronavirus specifically. So that's the kind of work that we've been doing as well, working alongside the local churches so that it's kind of a strange world that we live in that uh, for the local pastors, they would be in kind of one part of the day preaching Jesus, inviting people to come to Jesus, praying with people. And then early on in the lockdowns in the other part of the day, uh, telling people, you know, you've got to wash your hands, you know, and here's how and all that sort of stuff. So that's the world we live in and that's how the church has been responding. So the, these are just some of the things that Tear Fund is involved in as we seek to follow Jesus where the need is greatest. And this is a quote from one of these pastors in the DRC. That's the mission. We need to go where people are rather than calling them to where we are. And this is the bit I love. We need to combine the message of the Bible with actions. The church is God's chosen vessel to transform lives. And I just think that's inspirational. And, uh, you know, just to finish, as we, if we think back to this scripture reading, we, we as people, I'm sure you as a church, we take seriously these great theological truths of the gospel in the first 11 chapters of the book. We take those with the utmost seriousness. These are life and death issues. But I want to encourage us and challenge us as well to take just as seriously chapters 12 to 16 where we live this out. So we have all this great teaching, we have all this great theological truth, we have nourishment for our souls, and so what? So what? We share with the Lord's people who are in need, and we practice hospitality to the stranger. And I want to encourage you to take both aspects of that so seriously here in South Belfast and globally as Jesus is building his church. So it's a real privilege to be here and to share some of this with you today. I really want to thank you for your time. Really happy to chat with anybody if you want to come up afterwards. Uh, but uh, I think it's really just appropriate for us to pray together uh, now. So let's do that. Lord, we thank you for the gospel, for the great truth that is expounded in this book of Romans, that we're separated from you, we're separated from each other, we're separated because of sin with ourselves and even with our creation. But Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to save us, to rescue us, to give us life to the full and to restore all these broken relationships. And Lord, we thank you that the church from its inception has been caring for the poor, not in any way at the expense of the gospel message, but as an outworking of it. 
And I thank you that your church around the world is responding to people who are in extreme poverty. And we want to pray, Lord, that many people will come to know you as lives are changed and transformed around the world. Lord, we want to lift to you now, especially the people of Afghanistan. Lord, that crisis just seems so huge, so insurmountable, so difficult. And Lord, we pray that you would have mercy because you rule and reign over this earth. We pray for our partners there. We pray that uh, they would get access to people in need, that they would be able to get help to people who need it. Lord, that you would help us to raise the funds that are necessary to do that as well. And for us here, as we try to live out our faith here in Northern Ireland, help us to be good neighbors as well. Lord, today we pray as you send us from here that we would go carrying both the proclamation of the gospel, but also the practical, outworking, loving people who are in need. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.